What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Tough Love, Not Tequila. This is your hostess speaking, hostess with the mostess. Not really, because this is a very low budget, low effort operation we got going on over here. But, you know, you tuned in for something. I don't know what exactly it is, but you're here. Hello. Slayo. Hey, okay, Sonia. Oh, my God. And can people stop addressing me by my first legal name in the DM? I don't know if men just think that this is a way to grab my attention and lure me in more, but it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Just call me Slay Hill. I mean, come on, y'all. It's just kind of weird. I'd be forgetting that I told my first name on this damn thing. I've always liked the idea of just like having a nameless social media presence just so, you know, there's no interference. Obviously, I have like a whole ass life outside of social media, which I think some people forget, you know, a whole ass life does exist out of that shit. Just a reminder for anybody that needed it. Not trying to be preachy here, but you know what I'm saying? We'd be preaching on this thing. So um, I hope everybody's doing well. You know, it's election week. Okay. Remember the days when it was just election day, but now it's election week. It might be election weeks because God only knows what's going on. I mean, Sleepy Joe, he's looking like he might take the win, and I'm kind of happy about that. I don't know a little bit about me. I don't really truly believe in either party. I think the presidential vote is kind of stupid and pointless, but, you know, we participate regardless. It's fine. Um, I like voting for props and, you know, people in my county and shit like that, Um, people on the school board. (laughs) Um, But apart from that, I just don't really feel like my vote really counts. I don't know if this is really a good thing to be airing out on here. I know everyone has very conflicting opinions, but me personally, I don't put that much, uh, I don't put that much weight on my presidential vote because at the end of the day, it's an electoral college that decides, you know, back in the past when Al Gore lost, he won the popular vote, lost electoral college vote. And then we ended up with Mr. Bushy Bush. So, and <laughs> you know, I always think like what could have happened if we had Al motherfucking Gore, you know, he, we could be in a completely different world right now, honestly, if you really, really think about it and see, like, the big domino effect that happened once Bush got into office. But, hey, look, this isn't history class, y'all. This is Tough Love Not Tequila. And what are we going to be talking about today? Oh, man. So, what inspired this episode, y'all? What did? So, I'm not currently in my house just alone. Um, I have my grandparents here. Um, so... <laughs> It, uh, um, if you guys don't know, I think everyone knows I'm, I'm Indian American. I'm first generation. My parents immigrated here from Punjab, um, uh, state in Northern India province, whatever the fuck. Um, I was born in the Bay area. My parents moved up to the Sacramento area when I was less than a year old. I've been up in NorCal my whole life. Um, I've been in the 916 my whole life. <laughs> kind of a good thing, kind of a bad thing. Could be worse, could be better, right? Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like my background. And I think sometimes I kind of very much remove myself from my Indian American identity and I try to just be American. And by having my grandparents in town and just being around them on a daily basis, I, I kind of was sparking something in me that made me really feel like maybe I should record a podcast episode on the very complex feelings that I have or the complex relationship I have with my identity. So that's what we're going to get into today, guys. Um, this is from my brown girls. This is for all my first generation Americans. These are for all my women um, balancing an intersectional identity because it is very difficult for us. I don't think we get enough credit for playing this very intricate balance between um, our two cultural expectations. One can argue that American women are held to a certain standard, have certain um, 
oppressions, certain challenges and hurdles. And then you add that not only American women expectations and hurdles, but you also add Indian hurdles and expectations and all that shit. And it kind of makes for this great clusterfuck of not only pressure, but kind of the downplaying of our own true desires, our own true passions, passions, because a lot of what I personally feel like I get from my Indian culture is that basically I have to fit into a specific type of mold, whether that be like the model citizen mold or the good girl mold or very, you know, um, submissive role basically that is expected of us um, across the board from all other people, not just Indian people, but also American society. We are expected to be a certain type of way. And just breaking through that mold is something that I've always felt like was a part of my, part of my, part of my like duty um, on this planet because I want to break these generational expectations, these generational trends, these generational negative negative pressures that we put on each other as Indian American women. And it's really something that I'm passionate about. And it's something that because it because being Indian is something that I've never not had as a part of my identity. It's something that I've spent my whole lifetime so far dealing with wrestling with loving hating. And that's why I say it's a very complex relationship. And I know I'm definitely not alone. I'm very lucky to have women of color that are first generation or immigrant women who came to the States and we have these conversations all the time about how our experience is beautifully unique, but also very difficult to navigate. And we're kind of just figuring out our life paths as we go. If, if we do choose to kind of wander off the expected or typical path for an Indian woman or an Indian American person. And yeah, so that's kind of what we're going to be getting into today. I don't know how long this is going to be. I'm not really in the mood to record this week, but I do just with everything going on in our country. And um, I think everyone's kind of on edge to see where we're going to go from here. And just like the energy in the in the world is very anxious. And I personally am feeling that. I've literally had dreams this week where I have anxiety attacks in my dreams. That's a whole new level <laughs> of stress. So I've personally been feeling it, but I also want to put something out this week because it might be a good distraction for you guys. And it is kind of important as we see women go into Congress that are women of color, women that are part of, um, we have our first trans woman in Congress. Like we have so many things and, um, we do see women of color really coming into their own and stepping into their political power this year, regardless of all the other things. So I think the narrative of the first generation um, American woman is something that needs to be highlighted. And there's not generally a space for us. And when there is, I don't feel like I can particularly relate to it. So that's what we're going to get into. And uh, where do I even start? <laughs> I think the thing about being an Indian American woman is you are made aware you are an other at a very young age. At least I can speak for myself personally when I found out I was an other, you know? And that's something that I've grappled with my whole life. I think it's something that even as an adult now, when I get to, when I feel like I'm 
forced into that category of being other or unlike other people or not being normal, it, it, it stings a little bit. And I know as a young Indian girl, I grew up and I was around people that didn't understand my culture. And I would go home and I would be expected to be this perfect Indian kid. And I'd go to school and be per- expected to be this perfect American kid. And that always created a lot of conflict in my life. It, it's created conflict um, even past my childhood, very much into my adulthood, very much into this very day. And that's important to know. It's not something that you kind of outgrow of. These cultural expectations on both ends don't ever really go away, right? They're just something that you grapple with your whole life. And they shape you whether or not you admit it. It does shape you into the person that you are because it's something that you can't escape. At the end of the day, I'm not going to look down and be a different color. At the end of the day, I'm not going to wake up in a different um family. I'm not going to change my heritage. I'm not going to take a 23 in me and it's going to say something other than predominantly Indian. It is what it is, right? It's something that is unchangeable. But I do think that when you start to heal that complex relationship, you might make it a beautiful part of you. And I think that's why I really want to get with myself. I want to be pretty upright in front about it. Um, I never, I never really loved being Indian. I always found it to be um, something that I wanted to change about myself. I remember I hated it for the majority of my life. I think that I still grapple with my hatred for my own Indianness, and it's something that I have a lot of healing to do. And I'm not trying to be outwardly negative about our culture, but there are many parts of our culture and Indian culture that I just don't really it doesn't resonate with me, and I think it can be very harmful to um, the female experience in general. Um, I think we are, I think the Indian culture is very patriarchal. I think men get preferential treatment and they get all these things that women do not. And it's embedded into our systems as an Indian culture, things like the dowry and things like that. So, I mean, I know I don't want to step on any toes because I know some people are very gung-ho and very proud to be Indian. And I'm not saying that I'm not proud to be Indian. I'm very proud to be the byproduct of uh, to hardworking immigrant people. And I know what come from a vibrant co- culture, but I do want to highlight the, the not so pretty parts today. So please don't come from my neck. Okay. <laughs> so like I was saying, um, when I was a little kid, I just found out that I was an other, right. And in the way of people would, um, I, I mean, I remember a girl in preschool would, was telling me like, why are you so dirty? And she was talking about the color of my skin. And she was saying, and people would say, why are you so, um, hairy? And I had a fucking unibrow. Like I had all these things. And then like my mom would dress me up a certain way for the first day of school, like in Indian suits or on picture day or put a bindi on my forehead or braid my hair or, you know, my mom would bring me food and be like rice and dal, which is like lentils. And it was just so different than everybody else. And I didn't see it as this beautiful difference, right? Because when you're a young kid, you just want to fit in and you kind of want to be unnoticeable, which is kind of funny and ironic because you grow up and you want completely the different thing. You want to stand out. You want to be different. You want to be uniquely you, right? But yeah, so obviously, because I kind of was a target for people when I was a young age and I was very much, it was very obvious that I was an other. It just kind of, my Indianness in my eyes became um, this target for people so they could easily, you know, attack me and bully me and make me feel bad about myself. And, and, And in turn, I would come home every day and I would just wish that I wasn't Indian. I I even, I have like a, I have a birthmark that's lighter skin tone than the rest of my body on my stomach. And I remember 
um, in grade school, I would look down at that birthmark every night and I would just be like, I was so close to being white. God almost made me white. He was going to start right there and it was going to spread across my whole body and I was going to be a white girl. God, why couldn't it have happened? You know what I mean? And that sort of self-hatred is deeply embedded in me and I still deal with it. And I still, I mean, even when you look around today, it's undeniable that European beauty standards are always going to be in. Um, and it's very much an act of resistance to embrace your own ethnic features. I have a larger nose than everybody. Um, I have certain features that are very inherently Indian, right? And I remember I used to pray to God that I would look different or I would have lighter colored eyes or lighter hair or a smaller nose, a more, you know, a button nose, like all like the American models did. And I wanted a nose job so bad, guys. <laughs> I mean, that was really the thing that everyone bullied me about my whole life. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure someone that hates me right now at my big old age will probably say shit about me and my big old nose. It's fine. I, I've, I've grappled with it. I have lived a very long journey with my Indian nose, and I have fully accepted it at this point. Um it doesn't make me feel less than anymore. It doesn't make me feel ugly anymore. I like looking like my race. And that is because I have an Indian ass nose. I have my father's nose and I my father has his father's nose and so on and so forth. This is something that reminds me of my heritage that I see painfully beautiful instead of just painful now. But it was such a big thing. It was such a big thing to me when I was a kid and I was a little Indian girl. I mean, I remember people would like, I remember people would tap me on my shoulder. This guy, I remember his name, Leon, tap me on my shoulder and I looked to the left because he sat to my left, right? And he would be like, oh, and he'd pretend like I had hit him with his nose. And they would call me Pinocchio. They call me all this shit. And on top of it, this is like when September 11th, the same year, September 11th, um, and that's when all the terrorist jokes and the sand and word um, comments started happening. And so you can only imagine these two things being another facet of your Indianness are another thing that make you hate yourself. Because not only were you growing up and you're being made to be other people calling you dirty because of your skin color and calling you out for the hair on your body that you have no control in. And obviously you're like, fucking nine years old you're not going to start shaving or getting your eyebrows done and then it's like a whole nother level you know what I mean so like as you can see as the years go by it's like the self-hatred for being Indian is growing and growing right and then you get to fucking high school and high school is like kind of a it's a coming of age time in America like it's something that I don't think Indian culture in India fully understands like how important these four years seem to be to almost all of us because we're kind of coming into our own and we're kind of experimenting with things that you shouldn't be doing people are drinking doing drugs people having sex um it's just like a very it, it's it's a heightened period of your life where things happen fast and things change quickly. And for the most part, it's viewed as like a normal, happy thing. But it's like your immigrant parents are watching you and they're like, you really think you're going to be out past 6 p.m.? You really think you're going to go to prom? You really think you're going to stand next to a boy and take pictures in, this, in a dress showing your fucking whole ass arms, your naked ass arms? You know what I mean? And... So that just made it very difficult for me. And I'm sure a lot of Indian girls can um, <laughs> relate to this. But it's like, 
you know, you couldn't even go out and do like the most basic things. You can go have sleepovers. You can go hang out with your friends. And I will say like I was around, I say like seventh grade, I had realized how much I couldn't do, (laughs) how much I wasn't allowed to do. And that was simply because I was a girl because, you know, the Indian guys, they're out here just doing whatever the fuck they want. I remember at a very young age, they was getting, they got to do whatever they wanted. They could hang out whatever they wanted. But because I had a pussy in between my legs, it it meant that I was an, I was an eminent danger at all fucking times and I had to be so safe and I missed out on a lot of experiences until I just said fuck it and I started rebelling and um, (laughs) as you can see if you do know me personally that's probably it has a lot to do with my identity is kind of pushing against what people tell me I can and cannot do I personally hate I mean like everybody else I hate being told what to do duh like who fucking likes being told what to do right but definitely at the age I was just kind of fed up with um the limitations being Indian had on my life. And I wanted to be like everybody else. I mean, since I can remember, I had wanted to be like everybody else. I had wanted to look like everybody else. I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to participate in the same things as everybody else. I just wanted to be that normal American girl. But at the end of the day, I'm coming home and (laughs) I'm eating roti and like fucking drinking cha and like all these other things that make me an other, right? And going to the Gurdwara on the weekends and you know, and like I remember in in the I grew up in the Sikh religion, and in Sikh religion, you don't cut your hair, and it's very like you know. I remember the first time I got my hair cut, and my dad was just like fucking fuming, you know. American kids, like real American kids, like white American kids, don't have to deal with that. I remember the first time I wanted to wear like shorter shorts than Bermuda shorts, or the first time I wanted to wear a short sleeve or a tank top, and it was such a controversy. And these are just not things that people that grow up and are very embedded in American culture have to deal with because they're not in this balancing act. And it's really, 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 really fucking hard. Like my heart goes out to anyone that had to like really have to navigate so closely between the American and your other culture because it's not easy. And you want to be like everybody else so bad. That's all I had ever wanted. And I always wish that I could have been honest about what I was experiencing in terms of being bullied and making feel less than at school. And you know, that only adds more fuel to the fire. Like the more people had bullied me for being Indian or being like, you know, calling me a terrorist and my big old Indian nose and I stink and I smell like curry and all that bullshit that people would say to me. The more that that happened to me, the more desperately I wanted to fit in, the more I wanted to, I wanted to go to the football game on a Friday night. I wanted to go to the party on the weekend. I wanted to go have a sleepover at my white girlfriend's like house. You know what I mean? Um, Maybe if things were different, I would have maybe just not pressed so hard to do those things and I would have been just fine. But because I was made out to feel like such a piece of shit (laughs) because I was Indian and that was basically it. I looked Indian. Apparently I smelled Indian. I acted in the end, you know, like it was just so much self-hatred that just only fucking has increased over time. And it's just hard. And it's so funny. I kind of was getting into it. And it's like, then you see all the Indian guys and you see like how they can do whatever the fuck they want and they can go wherever they want. And there's not really like this necessary expectation of them to be super successful. I'm just, I know that this is kind of a generalization. I know that there's exceptions to every rule. I'm just talking about my own experience. So please don't come for me. But yeah, definitely. It's like you see like the boys wilding out. They can go out. They can do whatever they want. And like you have to be home by six. And it's just so crazy to me. It just blew my fucking mind. And it made me so mad. And it's probably why to this day that I kind of rebel against every cultural expectation 
from the Indian side of me because I just don't think it's fair. I think I, I've, I've been in very heated arguments with my parents and I've just been like, we're in America. We're in the United States. We're not in India anymore. And like as much as I could have probably worded that in a more soft and re like receivable way, I still personally feel that way. I think it's very you put so much on your child and on your person like when you don't fully accept the reality that we are living in a different world. And if you continue to abide and stick and really hammer in and constrict someone by a whole different culture, one that they haven't really fully accepted, one that the society around them tells them isn't the most acceptable, then how do you really expect them to be a blossoming, beautiful person? I mean, it's just going to breed this resentment, this self-hatred. And I honestly feel like that's what happened to me. I never... I mean, I prayed every night not to be Indian. I, and it just got worse with time, with time, with time. And I told you guys, like, I'm still kind of grappling with it. It's still a very complex part of my identity. It's hard. It's like the intersectionality of being a woman, of being a woman of color, of being a first generation American, of not being gender, like being queer. Like, it's all these things that you have to grapple with all at the same time. And there's not really anyone in your household that's equipped to deal with those sort of things to equipped with to the knowledge to tell you hey it's gonna be okay it's totally fine that you feel this way your feelings are valid there's literally none of that um which is a great lead-in mental health and <laughs> mental health and being a brown girl oh holy shit i mean where do i even start for like a culture that expects us to all be doctors and shit it's so wild how like mental health just really just goes straight over some people's heads like I mean, personally for me, like, I mean, like the way that no one in my family will get therapy other than me, the way that um, I had a whole ass eating disorder and no one really like was helpful to me because like they literally don't understand what an eating disorder is and how it is like a mental illness, the way like my depression, and my anxiety is not fully understood. I mean, like, it's just so crazy. I think it's so funny. I still think it's hella funny. Like, I can't believe y'all really want us to be doctors and nurses and shit, but you don't give a fuck about our health. I don't care if mental, like, I, I'm definitely one of those people that just feels like mental health is just as important as physical health. And you can't have one without the other. Um, you can't have sustainable mental health without, you know, taking care of yourself physically. You can't have sustainable physical health without taking care of yourself mentally. And they're just kind of interchangeable. So it's just so funny to me. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, everyone in my family is a fucking doctor or, like, a nurse or something. And then there's, like, little old me. But I think that I have something else to provide. And maybe the, this it's I'll find it on this journey with this podcast. But it's just so fucking funny to me that we have such a big disconnect between our mental health and it's in our existence and how no one in our families really is there for us. It's kind of like, you're, you're lucky. You're lucky you were born in America. You're lucky you, you were born here. You have no clue what we've been through. And I'm not trying to negate anyone's experience, but I think that's such a manipulative thing to do to somebody. It's like, just because something was worse for you doesn't mean that I can't feel negatively. I can't feel sad. I can't feel depressed. I can't have any emotion that's negative in any way just because you had it worse. I mean, it's just so problematic. I mean, I you got to feel how you feel. 
I mean, if every single time something bad happened to me, I would be like, well, at least um, I don't live in a dirt, a dirt floor, no electricity, little hut in a village in India. Then, I mean, what... <laughs> I don't think that, that, that that's not even a band-aid. It's not even a band-aid for any type of wound that I've experienced in my whole life. It's not going it, to, that, that doesn't really make me feel better. It makes me feel guilty. And that, and that will, that guilt breeds into something enormous. And it's some, a weight that you carry with yourself, right? I, I mean, for the longest time, I felt so guilty. And I still do feel guilty about so much in my life because I do feel like I'm incredibly privileged and I'm very lucky to have been born here. And sometimes when I complain or get political about this country with my family, they like to remind me that things would have been much worse for me if I was born in India and if I had stayed in India and things like that. But it's like, I just, it's a hard comparison. I obviously feel lucky. It's so hard. Like, see, this is how complex it is. Cause like you want to be lucky. You want to be thankful that you're born here, but at the same time, you don't want to invalidate every single feeling that you ever have or any, every, every hurdle, every, every conflict, every fucking hard thing that you experience just because, I mean, I, I've said this to my parents. It's like, you guys act like just because it happened in the United States then it has to, I have to be okay and I can't I can't feel sad or I can't be angry or I can't be upset it's fine like oh yeah someone broke my heart but at least they broke my heart in the United States oh yeah someone beat the shit out of me that I loved uh but it's fine because it happened in the United States oh yeah I just broke up with my best friend but it's fine because it happened in the United States oh yeah I just got fired but it's okay because I'm in the United States it's just like what the fuck you guys <laughs> we're all people and we're all humans at the end of the day and whether or not we're in this country or another one to see your feelings constantly being validated because of the culture that your parents come from have no real understanding of how important and crucial um, mental health can be and just the recognition of what you're feeling and who you are it, it just blows my mind I, I just can't and I don't want this podcast episode to be negative but honestly a lot of my feelings are negative towards the culture like yeah we have bomb food we have pretty clothes and our music is kind of popping and we have everyone knows we have bomb ass weddings but there's this whole ugly side that really pops out when you're the person growing up first in your whole lineage in this country it's like we're we're really doing a very intricate dance without ever being taught it so we're kind of just making it up as we go and i have a lot of respect to the people that have growing up here and they're fully devoted to their parents they do exactly what their parents want them to do they become the the profession that their um parents want them to do they get married the way their parents want them to they have kids the way they're like they 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 do the job they do they do the, they check off everything on the list i personally myself am not one of those people i went to school for animal science i pursued a field that was completely not in the medical field with humans or and i wasn't an engineer i wasn't anything that in, in, in certain people's eyes would be respectable um i got tattoos i dated openly um i've done so many things that weren't necessarily acceptable in the Indian culture. But I don't necessarily regret any of them because they have added a value to my life, which is experience and these moments. And I met amazing people through that. And I don't think that gets enough recognition in Indian culture. It's all about just being like this pretty perfect human being when at the end of the day, we're all 
and we're all so deeply flawed and that doesn't mean that we are not deserving of happiness and love but it just seems like in indian society unless you are this very well behaved very put together you know not done you don't take too much room up as a woman right you have to be a certain behavior and you can't speak up too much and you can't talk back and you can't have too strong of a personality because no man will ever want you if you're like that, right? It's just so backwards to me. And I think that just only, like, you see how we're going down this road of why I feel the way I feel about my Indian identity and why it's going to be probably years for me to kind of heal that because it's a lot of negativity, y'all. I mean, it's a lot of negativity. There is so much pressure on us as Indian women. It really is. And it's like to be this successful, beautiful person and be a, a, a perfect wife and then, or be wifeable and then not be too, like, you know, not let people walk all over you, but also be a nice girl and be a sweet girl, be a sober girl. Like, you know, I don't like that shit because I don't personally feel like I'm any of those things. I really don't. And like, I think that's what makes me special. Like, I've spent so much of my life, like, just wondering, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Uh, and I look at my my Indian relatives and my Indian sister and like my Indian parents. And I look at all these Indian people and I don't see myself in them. Yeah, sure. I may look like them. But I don't see myself in them. And then I look at all my American friends that grew up here and have had, you know, generations and generations of their family here or don't really necessarily grow up in the same strict culture that I did. And I don't see myself in them either. But God damn, I want to be like them. And I wonder what that would be like. I will always wonder what that feels like. And it's 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 the way that you're sitting in this middle lane and you're looking to your left and you don't see yourself and you're looking to your right and you don't see yourself. All you can see is that space around you that feels like no one else is really there in that category with you that ends up making you feel very alienated. And in my in my case, it made me feel very alone and it made me very sad. It made me really like depressed. And it only got worse when I got to college because I just felt like an other because honestly the college that I had gone to, I had a big Indian community. Like you would think I would just, you know, fit right in, but I tried and it just didn't click for me. I just wasn't like them. I've never really had an Indian close girlfriend except Ectiti, Ekta shout out to you. I met her after college, but she's one of my closest Indian friends. And she's my only Indian friend, honestly. And it's funny because she has a very unconventional Indian life experience as well. And I think that's why we get along so well, because we're not really the norm or we're not the the expected version of an Indian woman in this country or in, or in India. And I'm not trying to put anyone down and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so perfect and I'm so different. I'm such a rebel. I'm so cool. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm just... I'm just pointing out that like, you know, it's kind of, you could, you could just go pick up an Indian girl my age and you could put her next to me and talk, have a conversation with the both of us. And we are very different. And that's just that I, 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 and I, and I've, I've been, I'm very aware of the choices and decisions and the effort that I put in to be this version of myself. And for the longest time I felt guilty. I felt bad. I, I felt like I hated a part of myself that I could never fucking change. I could never get rid of. And that part of myself has always made me feel like I need to change, right? I need to 
be more i need to be a sweeter nicer girl i need to be more quiet i need to have less opinions i need to be um have less of a strong personality which is what a lot of people apparently people in my family had said about me um but i i i I now i'm on this journey where i'm like i need to accept who i am and i think there's something beautiful in rebellion i think there's something beautiful in all the indian women that are in this country kind of pushing the boundaries and pushing expectations whether that that is evident to everybody else or it's specifically just internal work, I think it's something to be valued. And just because we're not like everybody else doesn't mean that we're bad girls. Like everyone be thinking we bad girls, like, oh my God. But like, we're just honest. And like, I know some people are going to take some pause with that and that's totally fine. But I think that um, my biggest thing with my identity is that I've always lived so authentically myself after a certain age, after, and I, after a certain age, I will say after, um, after college and after I had recovered from, um, anorexia, I, I kind of felt like I got this second chance at life and I was just going to live authentically myself and I wasn't going to hold back and I was going to be me. And I think that, Although it's never, it was never easy. It's never easy, and it's a continuing process. I think that I, I, I had to peel back that layer that said you have to be this perfect Indian version. You need to be smart and successful and get married and um, not cause too much trouble. Don't ever get a fucking tattoo. Be a good girl. Present yourself as a non, like as be as asexual as possible, and you know just be quiet and stay in your lane. And I'm really glad that I didn't do that because at the end of the day, I'm really happy that I I am who I am. And I'm on this journey where I'm stopping to hate all the things. Like I like that I'm a little bit of a rebel. I like that I push the envelope just a little bit because I, I have this idealized world in my head where it's like one day as an Indian woman, I won't have to lie. I won't have to lie about who I am. I can do what I want. I can live freely. I can take ownership of my body. I can take ownership of my sexuality. I can date freely and openly. I can exist um, as who I am. I can be gay if I want without being shunned. I can date outside of my race if I want and not be shunned. Um, there's I, I, I can... I, <laughs> I can get a job in whatever field I want and be fully accepted. I can be a creative and be fully accepted by my community. You know, I, I I really want those things. I really do. And I think it's important to highlight the people that are trying to make a little bit of a push in like the progressive direction because nothing happens overnight. And I I do see that through social media and things like that, I see like these little kind of pockets of Indian people who are creatives or artists and stuff like that. And honestly, it makes my heart warm. I think it's so great because I think for so long we have been putting ourselves in this mold that is predominantly pushed to us by generations and generations above us. And I think it's only, it's our responsibility to kind of push the envelope and live more authentically as opposed to this very rigid box that we all have to put in or put ourselves into, which honestly, I think it kills your soul a little bit. I think it kills your soul a little bit when you conform so hard to the norm. And I, I, I get, I get why people do it. I get what you, 
<laughs> you know, sometimes you sit in there and it's like your parents have given up a whole ass world, left their whole ass life, worked their fucking asses off to be in this country. But it's also like, did they do that for you to be unhappy? Did they do that for you not to feel like it's it's okay to be yourself? Did they do that so you could feel wrong about who you are authentically as a person? I don't think they did. I think at the end of the day, every parent wants their kid to be happy. Um, and I think that things get conflicted with the immigrant parents because they just think that your job and like making money and everything is the most important thing in the world. And at the end of the day, those are all things in this physical world that fade away eventually and along with their physical vessel. And the focus should be more put on honoring yourself and honoring what you truly want and what you feel like is great and good for you. And sometimes that's not becoming a doctor. <laughs> and that's, sometimes that's not getting married. And sometimes that's not having kids. And sometimes it's it's creating your own path. And I think that we're at a very interesting time in our whole, our, our whole timeline as Indian people where like I'm seeing this whole generation grow up here and it makes me really happy to see us all kind of I, I see a few people stretching their limbs outside of the norm and I think it's fucking awesome and I want to see more of that um even last week where someone like had asked me about getting tattoos when you're when you're Indian. Oh yeah, by the way, thank you for everyone that had responded to that episode and been so positive about it. I fucking appreciate it. It meant the world to me. Um, should I be out there giving advice? Probably not, <laughs> but I do appreciate everyone that had like reposted it and like shared on their Instagram and stuff like that. It warms my cold little heart, but yeah, like even like the girl who had asked me, um, about getting tattoos while Indian, it's like, I, I never grew up thinking that I was going to get these tattoos, but when that f switch flipped in my head that I need to live for myself and I need to do what I, I think will make myself happy, like, at the end of the day, I started getting a lot of tattoos once I felt like I was a lot further along in my journey against uh, with loving my body, and for me, getting those tattoos and getting those tattoos on my body was like me adorning something that I had previously hated so deeply, and now it's something that I think is beautiful, more beautiful because I have these tattoos because I, I went I went through some sort of sacrifice of pain or something and they represent something to me maybe sometimes they don't for everybody but for me everyone kind of, they all kind of mean something to me and I don't think it's necessary but it makes it a little bit more special to me and I don't think anyone hearing hey like I got over my eating disorder I started loving my body and then I started adorning it with art and that's my journey uh, I don't think anyone can really argue against that and if it makes you happy it makes you happy but but I think a lot of the the hesitation is when you're brown or you're Indian is like, you know, what is everyone else going to think? And I think sometimes we just got to shut the fuck up. Like, who cares what everyone else thinks? Like, what's more important to you than what makes you happy? As long as you're not hurting anyone and as long as you're 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 still fluxing the world with positivity, then who cares? Who 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 are who's who's to make you feel bad about doing something that makes you feel good about yourself and 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 somehow maybe you might inspire other people to do something that are good that's good for themselves like I think if you want to do something and it doesn't hurt anybody you should just fucking do it and I think societal standards cultural standards I think all the Indian auntie and oh my god what are they gonna think I think we need to shut up and like live our lives because you're only living this life for yourself. You're not living it for anybody else. At the end of the day, when the day fucking comes and the Grim Reaper's at your door, you want to be able to look back at your life, right? And see like all the things that you did and all the experiences that you had. And I feel like 
if you're just not the type of person to squish themselves down into that little mold of perfection, Indian girl perfection, then you might look back at your life and be like, fuck, I could have done all these other things that would have truly made me happier, brought enrichment to my life on this or my experience on this planet. And that's what kind of keeps me going because I'm like, eventually we're going to die. You know what I mean? And I want to die like living a fucking life. I don't want to die living a life that someone had already planned out for me without my consent. I don't want to live a life that a whole backward society, in my opinion, has planned out for me. I want to live the life that I fucking imagined for myself from a very young age. I want to live the life that is dope as fuck to me in my own personal vision, not something that I don't want to look through someone else's lens. I want to honor myself. And that's, I think that's important. I think that's the root of this whole, that's kind of like the arc of this whole journey that I've had with my Indian identity. It's like, yes, now it is a part of me. And yes, it's totally cool, but it's not something that will always perpetually box me into something that I need to be. It's just one facet of many fucking things that I am. And it's not a ruling principle that I need to be an Indian good girl to be accepted by everybody. If people don't like me, they don't like me, but I'm not out here outwardly hurting anybody. I'm just living my life. And it doesn't look like the life you want me to live, but that's totally fine by me. I didn't want to live that life anyways. The fact that all our worth is kind of built upon this kind of, in my eyes, outdated version of myself where it's like, I need to be quiet and I can't have opinions and I can't show my body and I can't love and like own my sexuality and be sex positive and be dating positive and like all these things and be open about my innate womanness, I can't do that in that society. And I just think that's so dumb because Indian men don't get that shit. Indian, I mean, I'm sorry. I know a lot of Indian guys just be out here. I don't know what the fuck y'all doing. Y'all just, y'all just living your goddamn lives. Like no one's pressing you about when you're going to get married. No one's pressing you about your career. No one's pressing you about anything because as long as you're a guy, you're right. And you can do whatever the fuck you want. And that's honestly one of the most that's one of the things I fucking hate about being Indian. It's like, just like, dude, you can like go to an Indian party and it's like the fucking aunties and shit are like sitting in the kitchen cooking. And like the men are just like drinking peg after peg. Like they're fucking just like getting shit face drunk, partying it up. Like they're just, they're turning up. And it's like the women, like women kind of aren't really allowed to drink. I, I mean, if you're in a really traditional setting. So like when I decided to go to like Indian weddings and start drinking and shit, like it was a big deal. Like everyone was like, oh my God. And I like, I did it on purpose. Cause I'm like, if the guys can do it, I'm going to do it. I don't give a fuck. If like, if my guy cousin got a tattoo, I'm going to get a tattoo. If my guy cousin didn't have to figure out his life till he was in his mid thirties, you best believe I'm about to be wandering like a goddamn um, <laughs> like a rolling stone. Okay. Until my late thirties. All right. But, like, I just don't – I hate the double standard. I hate the double standard. Like, I used to always think, like, damn, if I was a boy, I could do this, that, and the third. And then something switched in my mind when I got in my 20s. I was like, well, I'm not going to become a boy anytime soon. But damn sure I'm going to live like one because I want to do what I want to do. Just because I have a pussy doesn't mean that my life has to be, like, less free than anybody else. And I think that's why I embrace the fact that I'm a little bit more freer than other people. I like that about myself now. Whatever. 
shit where I was opposed when I was like being made out to be a worse person. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Like I'm a not I'm not a bad person because I don't feel bad about fucking. I'm not a bad person because I don't feel about bad about dating outside of my race or just dating in general. I'm not a bad person because I've drank. I'm not a bad person because I've done drugs. I, I'm not a bad person because of those things. I've lived my life. And like at the end of the day, yeah, what's up? <laughs> let's get serious right now. Well, like let's not, but like, you know, honestly, we all done it. Okay. Come on, first generation kids. I ain't going to tell your moms or your dads. This is a safe space. We all secretive up in here. You know what, you know what they say? The most strict parents make the best liars. Okay. I know that's right. But (laughs) so it's like, we all fucking do this shit. Like we all have done it. We have all done these things. And it's just like, yo, can we just quit lying about that shit? Like, I, I felt like at a certain point in my life, at a certain age, which is not in our culture, it's not like you turn 21 and it's okay that you date and it's okay that you drink and it's okay that you party and it's okay that you live a, a little bit of more of exciting life. That never happens. But I was like, you know what? I'm already, I'm like 24 now. Like, I'm just sick of like acting like I don't drink. I don't fuck. I don't do this shit. I do this shit. And that doesn't make me a bad fuck fucking human like it, it doesn't it would make me feel worse if I sat up there and I lied to your ass like and I said like oh no I haven't I've never done anything bad in my whole life like oh god like fucking kill me I hate people like that I tr- I don't hate is a strong word but I just don't understand the logic because I'm just trying to like I want the next generation to be more free than the, the than this one and I just don't think like with lying and shit we gonna get there but I don't know y'all I mean live your truth or live live your live your distorted version of the truth but as a collective I just feel like out here just like your parents know you was definitely getting your back blown out like the other weekend and you want to be over here acting like you holier out than now than me you know what i mean or like the plethora of indian girls that like look at my instagram and scoff at me or like just like view my story for no reason i don't even know them i can just tell that they're indian girls like yeah i'm posting this get over it get over yourself like no one's better or worse than the other person for what they post or how they behave or whatever i just i pull i pull like a qualm with them when they start to act like they're better than me when and I'm like, you know what, Priyanka, I know your ass was getting like doing like double shooters the other night and you with your black boyfriend and nothing's wrong with that. But don't don't be don't be lying on me. OK, don't be making me look like the bad one over here because I'm just over here being honest. OK, I'm just being honest. OK, um, and I just don't think there. I think honesty is the best policy. I think it's a good thing. I mean, I don't know. This is a controversial thing. I don't know if everyone's on board with me about being very honest with your parents. I mean, there's certain things your parents just you shouldn't tell them. But I just feel like we, if we just pull the veil back like a little bit, it could do a world of a difference for the generations to come after us. You know what I mean? And it's just like a lot. It's like a complex thing because it's like you don't want to be disrespectful and shit and tell your parents all this shit they don't want to hear. But at the same time, you don't want to be disrespectful and lie to them all the time. That's my thing. Like, it's hard. It's hard to live authentically. But I'm saying it's I, I, I'm a lot happier on this side of things than constantly being stressed out about lying about shit all the time. Like, it got so old to me. Like, I was like, bitch, like, you know, they called me Pinocchio in middle school. I really am Pinocchio right now with all the lies I'm racking up. You know what I mean? Like, and I was just like, what for what? I think once you accept that, it's just like a normal part. You're just being like everybody else. If you're not a demon because you're doing those things and you don't have to lie about them, then it's like, 
like everyone's kind of happy. I don't know. This could be very idealized. I'm not sure you guys, but <laughs> I'm just, I want everyone to just be more free. And I think that's like my biggest issue with like our whole culture is just like, yo, what the fuck? Um, you know, I don't know, guys. I mean, it's like a lot. It's a lot when you're growing up. I think I still have a long ways to go. I mean, for my future, like, I'm definitely at that age where it's, like, people are, like, so you're not going to get married or, like, you're not going to And I'm just, like, yo, I'm, like, look at me. Look at me. I was never going to do any of that shit, okay? Like, you know what I mean? I've always been trying to push the uh, push the norm, so I don't know why I would all of a sudden conform to it. I think there was a moment there, though, when I thought that, like, damn, you know, I think <laughs> after my last serious relationship, I was, like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm just going to go marry a nice um, Indian dentist and I'm gonna have pop out some kids and I'm gonna quit playing <laughs> but I think I'm still kind of on my journey so we'll see um what else man being Indian is so damn interesting I mean what can I even say anymore I just want everyone to be equal I want everybody to stop lying I want people to like <laughs> actually be real and do what they want. I think it's, you You think it sounds so simple, y'all. It sounds so damn simple, but it's really not. It's really fucking not. And just like being around my family this week and stuff, it just makes me also feel like I'm still like as much as I've embraced who I am, it still makes me feel slightly uncomfortable that I'm so different than everybody else. It is kind of lonesome. I'm like, damn, like, you know, I wish things were different. Like, I'm not even talking about like making Indian friends. It's like I'm not even close with my Indian family, you know, and like I, I if you know this about like a lot of Indian families are fucking intensely close with each other. And I just feel like that's another facet that I've just never had because I never really fucking fit in because I'm over here too busy being a fucking uh, <laughs> unacceptable rebel, you know what I mean? And it's just a little bit too much for some people to handle. But it's I don't know. I, I think in the end, it, it'll be worth it, right? <laughs> Please. Um, but it's just funny because it's like, you know, a lot of people have their friends or their family or whatever. And it's like, I don't really feel like I have either. And that's kind of what this last few this last few days with my grandparents here has like highlighted. Um, I don't know. There's just so much to unpack there. I'm like, I think that's why, like, I've just kind of always just been roaming and I've kind of low-key been a lone wolf, but I've always kind of just found myself in these situations trying to make myself fit in. But I don't know. I think maybe, like, with this podcast and everything going on, like, I might be taking my step back to really just kind of attack my tribe because, I don't know, it's really not going to happen. And I'm not really trying to say, like, they have to be Indian or not. I'm really, <laughs> I ain't going to waste no wishes on that. But, you know, just people that just understand, like, how hard it is to exist in these two spaces, the Indian space and the American space, or and be a woman and like all these things. It's just fucking tough, yo. It's really hard. Like people already talk about how hard it is to be a woman. Oh man. <laughs> it ain't easy being an Indian woman either, okay? Um, it's really fucking not. And like I'm really lucky though because I think well the one reason that makes me the way that I am is my mom. Um, my mom's just always kind of just been like a fire spitter to me and she's kind of always been a badass and I've always looked up to her. I don't think she necessarily knows that or accepts that because we have a very complex relationship, which makes me want to do a mommy issues ep- episode. I'll I'll do a mommy issues episode because I think there's a lot to unpack there too. Um but yeah, like I, I think I am the way I am because my mom was slightly unconventional too. Like I, I was raised Sikh, but my middle name is not like the typical Sikh name. And we stopped going to the Gurdwara, a.k.a. church at a young age. 
we're not super religious. My parents low-key kind of like remove themselves from the rest of the family and they kind of live their own lives for a long time. So like that's obviously another reason why I'm not that close with my family. And then obviously eventually I have divorced parents, which like is not really a thing in the Indian community. It's kind of like frowned upon. I think now with the times things are kind of getting different, but definitely just like being with like like supporting my single mom and seeing my mom be like her own person for the first time in her life is like definitely something that keeps the fire going for me about just being my true authentic self because I think she spent so much of her life um, sacrificing her life making herself small or making herself someone she wasn't or not being fully accepted in not only my dad's world but in my dad's family's life and she has now not much to show for it because it's, they were almost together for like 30 years and they recently got they got divorced like two years ago, I think. And my dad is already remarried. And that that just really goes to show it highlights how it, it, for me, like it was very painful because I was just like, it just shows how easily replaceable women are in our society. Like, who cares? You spent almost 30 years with somebody and less than a year later, you're already married to somebody else. Uh, yeah. And I found out by accident, y'all. It was so crazy. But no, he did not tell me he secretly got married. So I think that for me, like part of my identity has just always been this unconventional part of who I am. Like not everyone has divorced parents. Not everyone has uh, divorced Indian parents. Not everyone has um, Indian parents that aren't super fucking religious like although they were strict as fuck they weren't really that religious so I don't really know where that strictness came from okay <laughs> but I mean it was just like something that made me different than everybody else and I think like a lot I, I wouldn't be the person I am if I didn't have my mom supporting me and like my mom like not really caring too much if I got two tattoos my mom not caring that much if I dated my mom not caring that much when she sees like my lingerie in the fucking washer and she definitely knows I'm fucking like you know she knows so much about me and she still loves and accepts me for who I am and I think that's really like the thing that keeps me um grounded and keeps me aware of what I'm accomplishing and accomplishing is not the right word but it makes me feel a little bit more like I'm doing something right here um even though I'm not really living the way that <laughs> most of our society expects us to. Obviously, this is like an issue that I'm very not super comfortable talking about just because I'm still very much developing and healing my own relationship with my Indianness. And it's always going to be a work in progress for me. I think some days are easier than others, just as it is. Um, but I just kind of want to get something up out there. I know it's not really necessarily the best episode ever. And uh, there's so many things I haven't covered. Um, like the, like the fact that we really don't value women at all in Indian society and we have to bring a dowry and how there's, um, you know, Indian, Indian women <laughs> who are pregnant have to find out if they have a girl and if they don't want to have a girl, they need to have a boy, you know, um, they abort the girl. I think there's so much to unpack there, but I don't know. I think I'm just going to wrap it up here. There's also like Indian beauty standards being a thicker Indian woman is like really hard. Um, and just like things like that. But I think I'm going to save that for future episodes, especially when I hopefully get my friend Activity Ekba on the episode. I think we have a lot more that we can talk about together as two Indian women just thriving and figuring it out in the United States of America and getting tattoos and not giving a fuck. So I hope you guys tune in for my next episode. I think I might actually have another guest too a special guest we'll fucking see we'll see how things go in the next few days but um thank you for listening i hope you guys are staying safe sane and fuck donald trump <laughs>